This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I said... Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original Star Trek series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, how's it going? It's good, it's good. Well, today, I thought that we'd talk about the transporter. Uh, we've, we've talked about the tech before, but uh, I felt like we should focus on the transporter, because McCoy seems scared of it. Well... Sometimes. He steps up when he needs to, but, you know, it's not exactly something which he enjoys doing. You know, just like my wife. I mean, yeah, she'll get on a plane when she wants to go somewhere, but she hates it. You know? Well, I think a plane sounds a lot safer than uh, whatever it is that a transporter does. Uh, McCoy complains a few times about scattering his uh, atoms across the universe. and maybe, Maybe he's got a good point. So we're told that the transporter works by taking your body and then it like scans it and then it takes it apart and then sends it to another place and then puts it back together. Yes. Now the original concept was going to show like like a beam of light coming from the Enterprise, kind of like a like an abduction ray on other, uh, you know, like on a UFO in a regular science fiction show. Which would kind of, I, I would like better, I think. It would make me more comfortable with the transporter. So, like, would they show, like, an exterior of the Enterprise with the beam going down? Or would they just show, like, a beam coming from the sky? Uh, I'm sure that they would switch between them. Yeah. I'm It'd really... also make it look like they were being shot down. Like, let's put them in photon torpedoes and shoot them down on the surface. Yeah, I'm really glad that they didn't do that. Because then we would have spent how many hours of our lives looking at shots of the Enterprise with little beams of light coming out of them. That's why Roddenberry said, yeah. no, 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 just to have them disappear from one place and reappear in another place. That's good. Because the whole point is to save money. Because the alternative would be to land a shuttle or land the whole ship. Yes. Which yes. would have been uh, not cost-effective. Or time-effective. Editing. Oh, definitely. Editing. Yeah. It's good stuff. Like, imagine how short episodes of Power Rangers would be if their Zords just kind of appeared and then were already connected together, as opposed to, let's yell out our Zords' names, and then they all come, and they come from the volcano or wherever they came from, and then they run towards you, and then you fight with them separate, and then you decide to put them together. Is that what happens in Power Rangers? Yeah, and it's the same shot every time. I am so sad that I'm slightly too old to have watched Power Rangers now. You're just so you're just just right too old. Aw. That sounds but, so awesome though. But half of every episode was the same shots <laughs> like reused stock footage. Like the original Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what Star Trek would have been. Yes. You know, a good twenty minutes of, well, we let's get back to the ship. 
and then a light would come down and then they'd get sucked up, I guess. So the the question that I have is so is it it's moving the matter? Like it's it's taking you apart and then putting you back together somewhere else? Or is it rebuilding you from from entirely new matter? Well, I mean, the fact that lots of times there's beamings from like a ship to a site makes mm-hmm. me think that, you know, they are transporting the matter. Because I mean, when you start going from a transporter to a transporter, then you get into some weird stuff where it's like, are they just sending the data from one transporting system to another transporting system? In which case, sort of the theory of, you know, like they destroy you, send the data and create a new you on the other end, you know, that makes a lot more sense. But the fact that you can beam to places which don't have transporters um, available or whatever makes me think that they actually are sending the matter. But, like, then we get transporter accidents. Yeah. Which which we don't have too many of in in the original series we do get we do get kirk split into two people which Mm -hmm. is which is part of and a dog and and a couple things so where does that extra matter come from so we we beam up we beam up the guy he contaminates the transporter kirk beams up and then kirk beams up again where where did the matter for that other kirk come from if if they're not recreating you every time that you step onto a transporter. Well, but, okay, so every time that that happened, those new things were created in the transporter, right? Like, he didn't, like, beam from the planet, from the, the ship down to the planet and have two right. Kirks end up down on the planet. So, and we've also kind of established in some stuff, which is really problematic, in Next Generation that, like, you can store your patterns Yes. in the pattern buffer, right? So to me, it seems quite possible to create multiple versions of people. Yeah, like, oh, Harry Kim died. Just you make know, a new one. Let's make a new one. We've got yeah. all this information right here. Which makes you wonder why they don't do that all the time, why they don't store, you know, and have like a backup, you know, I mean, just like people do with their their operating systems and stuff. Exactly. I've got, you know, what if I get sick? So I've got a healthy me. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they could write this away just by saying, well, it just takes so much information that we can't keep all of them around. Right. The buffer has to get wiped. I'm sure that I think they've said that on episodes before. Yeah. But then we get crazy episodes like the one where uh, Deep Space Nine where they can't materialize like Kira and Cisco and them, so they put them in the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Like that adds a whole new level of issues. So then they're like patterns are running around the holodeck. Yeah. Like yeah. why couldn't they they re? Why couldn't they rematerialize them? I, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, obviously, it's one of those things where you know, just like the creation of the um, transporter in the first place. It's a plot device. It's a storytelling device. So the writers have used it as that. In which case, you know, it's 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 a very versatile tool, and you know, (laughs) 
gets people out of a lot of jams, and you know, and it's very Roddenberry-esque and everything. But yeah, in terms of consistency inside the universe, it's very problematic. And I mean, it it really does sort of. I mean, they need to like write in limits because once you start going down that path, it really does sort of become a thing like. Why can't you just create... If someone dies, you could just create a new one. Now, you could say, well, that's not the same person. It's right. just another guy. But on Voyager, that could really be helpful, seeing as how you have a finite number of, of people, or even on the original series where you're out in deep space. If the captain dies, you know, maybe keep your your like department heads in storage. <laughs> Make them sign waivers and be like... I mean, that could be a whole episode right there, you know, with the ethics of yeah. that and everything. I don't want my, you know, you can Which have some is, guy who's like, I don't want to have my my pattern stored in there in case I die, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Which is which is kind of what I want to get into, the the ethics of, of the possible differences. Yeah. So, so the first one that I'd like to talk about is, so, this is not really ethics, but just kind of a, a, a discussion we can have. So we take somebody apart and we rebuild them. It's impressive that it keeps, like, the person. Like, what makes us people, like, with our consciousness and stuff? Like, what what about it is, like, chemicals and stuff? And, you know, what if something goes wrong? Like, McCoy is, is absolutely right. Like, like, anything could go wrong. One little atom... I mean, because you're being, or sub-atom, something gets put in the wrong place, and all of a sudden you've got some kind of imbalance or something. Like, like just the just normal transportation sounds extraordinarily dangerous. Well, it does to us, but I mean, you know, look at what we can do. I mean, we can make exact copies of, say, a Blu-ray and send them on the internet and then make a, another copy, you know, on another Blu-ray, and there's no generational loss or anything like that. So we're talking 200 years in the future or whatever it is. Who's to say that you can't do the same thing with a person? I mean, it is just matter. I mean, if you're saying like, well, what about the human soul and everything? I mean, it's just matter, you know? I mean, in the right place, with the right chemicals and all yeah. that stuff. But so, that's going to shake up every single belief system. Well, you know, it is Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, what? Right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, it's the, the, the thing to me, you know, which, I mean, we kind of dealt with before, but the really big one is it's like, are you destroying someone and creating a new person? Because mm-hmm. while it's the same to everyone around you, I mean, you're straight up dead, you know? And you're just like, I'm going to get on this transporter pad. This is great. And then you're gone. You know? Right. But, Which... I, but, but I think the thing with you know, them beaming to non-transporters makes me think that that's not what happens. You know? Yeah. Just moving matter from, from point to point. I can understand like an apple. You know, Ooh, you know, that sounds easy enough, but like our immensely complicated systems and stuff. I, I'm, you know, if it came right down to it, I don't think I'd be comfortable using one. I mean, I could see that too. And obviously that's, you know, like in enterprise, they deal with that. People are like, no, wait, no. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's totally safe for people. And they're like, 
I'm not getting on that thing. And then in the first episode, of course, he has to do it. And then like five episodes later, they're like, just screw it, whatever. It's fine. It's all good. It's all good. Which I don't think was what they had originally intended. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, I can definitely see the, the hesitancy. But if it's the type of thing where it's scientifically proven and everything like that, and it's it's an everyday uh, thing which is used, I mean... Let's 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 step back, you know, a few decades here, and someone's like, "Okay, you're gonna get on a big chunk of metal, which is going to fly all the way across the world and drop you off in another country." No, no, it's good, it's good. You, no, I mean, I know it weighs, you know, like tons, and the idea of like a huge chunk of metal being able to like fly above the world and take people to this other place is crazy but it's it's all it's all good it's safe it's safe i mean that's a i mean that's a terrifying concept you know hmm. and yet we do it all the time now we don't think twice about it well i mean people do some people do like yeah. mccoy right but then you look at the stats and it's like well it's much safer than driving you know and transporting is probably much safer than shuttles I mean, look how many Probably. shuttles crash. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're we're looking at it from the 21st century perspective. Yes. But if you're looking at it from a 23rd century perspective, maybe it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I And I imagine after a couple hundred years of use, uh, TOS, TOS era, you know, if we, we take Enterprise, you know... We've had airplanes almost as long as they've had transporters. Yeah. And surely there are accidents here and there which occur, but... Well, we know that there are freaking accidents. But, you know, it doesn't seem to be a really big problem until oh, the 24th century when maybe there's some, uh, you know, maybe maybe some of the standards have, have become a bit lax... And maybe there's some, you know, outside parties which are, are making these things and maybe the the government regulation isn't quite what it should be. And then we start getting some some duds in there, you know. Right. Things, you know, they decide to make them out of, you know, like plastic instead of, you know, metal <laughs> or whatever. And then things start going horribly wrong because it really does seem to be much more of an issue in the 24th century than it does in the 23rd century. Yeah. yeah. I actually, uh, when reading up on this, there's a book, I think, that explains that in the original series, they just used a transporter and they didn't really understand it. They just put it on high settings all the time. Yeah. So it would like blast its way through things that, that regular transporters would kind of bounce off of. It's kind of like what's going on right now in the world of uh, movie projection, you know? It's like everything's automated, everything's great, but everything can go terribly wrong because no one really knows what to do. Not not everyone has an O'Brien. And maybe O'Brien's not even union, you know? I mean, maybe <laughs> they just say O'Brien's good, but really he's not. Maybe he's just good for the Enterprise. Maybe. You know, it's I mean, not I like imagine he, the Enterprise it's not is like the he's best. Scotty. best. Maybe, but it's not like he's Scotty, right? True. You know? Yeah, but mm. Scotty wasn't the transporter person. Kyle was. Sure, but Scotty knew that thing. He was the tech, right? Yeah. So was Jordy. Jordy <laughs> ran around and kicked transporters. 
Yeah. But but I just watched an episode where even Jordy was just like, I can't do this without O'Brien. Yeah, see, he's because, the transporter guy. See, I mean, that's what happens now. No one, no one on, on the ship knows how the transporters work because they're just so used to them working. So when there's a problem, oh, everything, I see what you everything mean, goes terribly wrong. I got it. Okay, yeah. so that explains why there's more transporter accidents in the 24th century. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, second point, I'd, I'd like to go back to the uh, the whole what happens to you when you get beamed. And if it the old person is destroyed and made anew, it reminds me of the Prestige. Spoiler alert! Mm. Yeah, I need to see that movie again. I saw it once when it came out. I need to watch. Yeah, it again. I I only saw it once. Yeah, but but I recall there being a a discussion about, you know, how do you know which one you're going to be? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be the one that drowns or the one that gets all the prestige? And it's it's that kind of thought that that also bothers me like you know what can go wrong is one thing but this is like even if it goes right is it creating a duplicate of you and we see enough transporter duplicates that it's entirely possible that that's how it really works Mm -hmm. like uh i was reading about i haven't gotten to the episode yet but i was reading about the uh the episode where riker thomas riker is made yeah. So they like beam another beam onto him to boost the signal, but then they turn it off and it just bounces back and he materializes on the surface and on the ship. Yeah. And it's the same person with the same wants and desires and needs that then spend the next few years, I don't know how many years, uh, yeah. discovering their, their own paths and are different people now. But when they first started, they're identical people. Like... Had they just turned off that beam and it not bounced back, that Riker we've seen has wants and desires and stuff. Is that person then destroyed? And and that's kind of the point of the enemy within. I mean, the point of the enemy within is you know needing your to balance your halves. But uh, you know, Kirk, evil, not evil, Kirk. What 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 is it? Uh, how do we describe him? Angry Kirk. <laughs> yeah, angry Kirk wants to live. He has his own wants and desires and needs, even though he's half a man, and uh, you know to make the whole person. But the that that kind of ethics of destroying the person does come up. Same with Tuvix, where you know we've combined the person. Yeah, and uh, the transport brings a lot of ethical dilemmas. But but it, even in normal use, does it? Is it ethically weird to like? Maybe I'm killing myself here to show up to have a chance of showing up down on the surface. And I'm sure the fact that we're having this discussion, if we want to look at this in a universe, the fact that we're having this discussion, obviously everyone else, that's probably the first thing that came up when transporters were created. And there was probably some way that, you know, scientists or whatever were able to say like, no, 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 look, it is you. You're not dying. That's my guess. But they could just be saying that because they wanted to get their grant. They it could. could be that everyone is being lied to throughout the entire history of Star Trek. I want to see a new episode in a post-TNG world where somebody discovers that that, that is the case. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking like, I mean, that, I mean, that could be, that could be, right? But I'm just thinking at some point there would be some sort of outside, you know, third-party thing that would be like, no, 
This right. is like like a coalition of people against transporting. Right. Like again, I haven't gotten to the episode, but the one where they want everybody to slow down uh, in Next Generation. The one where they want everyone to slow down. Well, they they do like the warp speed limit because it's hurting the environment or something. Oh yes, yes. Well, the third point that I want to get to, we we kind of touched on a little already, was the uh, clones, backups, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sure, that that sounds useful, especially in the in the uh, examples you gave. You know, having like the command crew on backup, but they couldn't even keep a backup of the holographic doctor for some reason for the same reasons that we're about to have this discussion they didn't want to be like well if we can just clone the doctor then we don't need to worry about there's no danger yeah like oh you know well if kirk goes down to the mission and doesn't come back we can just he can come back we can just rematerialize him on the transporter pad yeah and as as useful as that is that's not i mean there's a lot of ethics problems with that Mm-hmm. Unless you were to clone somebody who didn't have his own choices in the matter, and then you can, like, have infinite red shirts. Yeah, I should do that. It's good. Like, if we combine the clone, you know, Django Fett clones. Yeah. If we could, we could have the Django Fett clones in the Star Trek universe, and then just keep them on backup and just push a button. You don't need them to have, you know, perfect endocrine systems and stuff you just push a button you don't you could just compress them like a jpeg right (laughs) yeah so whenever you run out of crew members you just make some more yeah i need one with engineering experience you push the engineering button and one comes out with a with a red shirt right yeah and a a science guy he's got like a blue shirt on yeah med kit that that introduces a lot of issues (laughs) yeah I don't think that Starfleet would go for that. No, no. But uh, if that was the case, uh, I wonder if other cultures might. Maybe, yeah. Like a Cardassian or something. That would be a cool thing to to see, you know, on a show. Where they're like, and if yeah, that we're if that is more soldiers, like the, I mean, they could totally have done that in the in the the Jem Hadar, you know, Dominion oh, yeah. War, just Jem like Hadar. start creating Jem Hadars, you know from transporters i think that if anybody if it was possible in the star trek universe the people would do it would be the borg yeah yeah the borg would do it yeah for sure and they would have the uh the bandwidth yeah you know we can argue every all day about you know federation computers and stuff but we're talking the collective minds of you know entire civilizations i imagine that they could store the pattern buffer of a drone yeah, and the fact that the Borg don't do it makes it seem like it's impossible. Yes, because Borg don't care about ethics. For whatever reason, yeah. I mean, the, even though there's there's evidence to suggest that it would be possible, for whatever reason, it must not be, you know? I mean, right. there's plenty of things in science where I'm like, well, why don't they just do this? And they're like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, because. You, can't, you want me to explain this whole thing to you? Because no, the writer of the a... universe says yeah. we can't. <laughs> the show writer. Right. Yeah. But I'm talking about even in real world science, you know? No, no, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything is better than... Uh, I wanted to close with, a, with a, a recap of a short story of Stephen King's that always stuck with me. 
And it was creepy when I was Googling. I was like, I need to remember the title of this. So I typed in Stephen King short story. And the first suggestion was the jaunt. And I'm like, yep, that's the one. So Google knew what I was searching for, but I had been searching for like transporters and stuff. I don't know if they, if they uh, sort by that or just by popularity, because that was creepy. But it's Stephen King. I expect it to be creepy. But anyway, in this story, it's a science fiction story. We've got the uh, man is able to travel long distances instantaneously, called the jaunt. The jaunt, and basically they knock everybody out and like slide you through a portal. And then you slide out the other end. And the scientist who discovered it kept, like, was testing it with mice. And every time that he put a mouse in, it'd come out the other side and be dead. And then, like, the first person who went through came out the other side and he was insane. It it turns out that you spend, like, an eternity in there. So only when you're passed out uh, do you come out the other end sane or alive. Because you spend an eternity in this in this other universe and i'm just glad that that transporting isn't like that yeah 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 that would be bad but there is like an episode where uh barkley is afraid of the transporter probably something about consciousness <laughs> i could see that I, yeah and that seems like a barkley thing to do yeah i could see him yelling about how it's an eternity in there it's longer than you think yeah it's just that's just a creepy story from Skeleton Crew. If you if you people want to read it, and I believe that it was originally published in the Twilight Zone magazine. Oh, cool! So since it was published in the Twilight Zone magazine, and since all of Stephen King's books take place in the same universe, does that mean that all of Stephen King's books take place in the Twilight Zone? Not all of Stephen King's books take place in the same universe. Really? I thought they did. No, they're oh. they're. I'd say probably a third oh. take place in the in the Dark Tower universe. I thought they were all in the same town and everything. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of them that are in the same town. Yeah. And a lot of them are referenced in Dark Tower, which ties them all together. It's an interesting continuity, but, but a lot of his short stories are, you know, uh, completely different. But theoretically, looking at Dark Tower, every possible... I mean, it's about every possibility being realized so yeah it could be hmm. interesting and, i mean it depends on if the twilight zone canon magazine is canon yep yep which i don't understand the twilight zone canon because they're well you, the if, if you think about it end. as like a place like is the twilight zone really oh. a thing i mean the big one which I'm not sure I brought up on here, but I've definitely brought it up elsewhere, is if you got the Twilight Zone, and let's say it is canon, there's no reason to think that there's reboots or anything. You've got the Twilight Zone original series, the 80s series with Wes Craven and, and, and whatnot, and then the, the Iris Stephen Bear series from the aughts. You've got the movie. You know, and you can even do remakes, because why not? It's the Twilight Zone, yeah. right? But here's the thing. Okay, if you go to Disney World, Hollywood Studios, there is a ride called the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Yes. Okay. And it's it's I've never been on it. Always been too scared. Maybe it's, this time I'll go. I'm going you I'm going this month. Maybe I'll go. Okay. I'll recommend it. You've been on it? I have. Is it is it really scary? No. Have you been on like like how would you compare it to let's say uh um Splash Mountain? Well, Ironically, I've never been on Splash Mountain, okay. but it's like one of those one of those rides where you uh, 
you know, they just take you up and then they drop you and they pick you up and they go wee up and down and wee. Okay, okay, maybe I'll try it. But here's my big question, okay? I've asked this of a million people. I have to decide. Okay, now, I was in Best Buy one time and I'm looking at the DVDs, as you do, and there is a movie, a direct-to-video Disney movie with Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten yes. Dunst called Tower of Terror. Yes. Which is based on the ride at Disney World. Now, it doesn't say Twilight Zone, but since the Tower of Terror ride is a Twilight Zone ride, does that mean that Tower of Terror, the Kirsten Dunst, Steve Gutenberg movie, fits into Twilight Zone continuity? And if so, does that also mean that it takes place in the Stephen King universe? Sure. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say for sure with the movie, it does take place in the Twilight Zone continuity, which is why I have to see it. Yeah. And but the then, Twilight Zone ride, it does have an intro by Rod Sterling, so it is actually, uh, I mean, it's Rod Sterling impersonator. Yeah. But I would say that really places it in canon. Yeah, yeah. And then you get into the whole thing, like, well, what about the other rides at Disney World? Are they all in the same thing? Especially if you get that that uh, Disney Parks thing that John Favreau and Ron Moore were doing, which it was like going to like basically Night at the Museum, but in Disneyland. And so, does that mean that like the the Haunted Mansion movie takes place in the Twilight Zone? Does that mean does that, that does that mean that Star Wars and Indiana Jones take place in the Twilight Zone universe because they're in Hollywood Studios? Yeah, yeah. By the way, did you see? I think it's the second episode of Rebels. They no. They take a transport, and they get on the transport. I'm like, that transport really looks like the transport from Star Tours. And then, sure enough, the pilot <laughs> of the transport is the Pee Wee Herman guy. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty good. That's oh, pretty that's good. clever. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's neither here nor there. But I mean, <laughs> you know, we were talking about transporters, you know, transport. Okay, transport. It, it all ties there we go. In. It all ties All in. back together. Yeah. Well, it was fun talking about the Twilight Zone today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Because it's it's actually legitimately trying to say something. Yes, very Star Trek. It may be the most Star Trek of all Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely what I would point to as being, this is what science fiction is about. Earl Grey. Kovac will tell us to experience Bij sometimes, in which case we will draw the Bij card, Klingon word for pain. Is so it birthday? It is. It is. It, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. To the journey! That's the one thing we could take from Homecoming is like paragraph one, Chakotay and Seven break up. That's for real. Yeah, they that shake happened. hands and go, hey, it's been fun. It's been nice. Thanks for the picnic. Eh, see then... ya. Commentary, Trek stars. Fair At this enough. point, like they could say, yeah, why not? Star Wars crossover. I would I would essentially say, fine. Both franchises are dead. Let's just sew them together and see what happens. Melodic Treks. One of the most well thought out alien races that you only see in one episode. Yeah, and the music is, is it's menacing without being over menacing, if that makes yeah. sense. Axonar, the official podcast. I think Justin Lin is a, is a fascinating choice to direct because... The Fast and the Furious movies, even though, yeah, they're action-adventure, road-race movies, are really about a family. The 602 Club. 
That's really cool, though. I mean, I, I think that is uh, a fantastic way to get to see just about any movie is, is kind of being able to watch it through a kid's eyes. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and you can just stream from the website. You can visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. We can tell everybody where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on uh, transporters or Twilight Zone continuity. They can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the button on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our new Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Uh, you can find me right here on trek.fm doing commentary Trek Stars with John and Max, and you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com where I do commentary Trek Stars off-topic with Max and Brandon, and you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And you can find me uh, commenting on threads in the Babel Conference. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks and more than 150,000 titles to choose from, new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of those famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? I have Star Trek Shadows on the Sun, which was written by Michael Jan Friedman and it's narrated by James Doohan. It says, Dr. McCoy finds himself at the center of an explosive civil war on the planet San, S-S-A-N. Oh, okay. And he is the only one with the power to save the woman who once broke his heart. Featuring a dramatic reading by James Doohan and enhanced with sound effects and original score, you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's another way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trek.fm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer on our shows. Also on the site, you can find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trek.fm, so check it out. That's good. I've been wanting to talk about the ethics of transporters for a while now, so it's good to have that off my chest and the, the fear the fear I would have of it. Now you can sleep well at night. You won't have those night terrors of being stuck in a transporter beam or transporting into nothingness or anything like that anymore yeah all right i got it all off my chest now cool well everybody thanks for listening have a good week and keep on trekking it is the will of landrew mr Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead walk factor one hi sir